Hi, howdy, lads and lasses, and welcome back to the Soccer Talk Lads podcast. Today, we'll be deciding whether six points in three games is an acceptable result for the USMNT, whether Greg needs to go, and whether the January transfer window was a delight or a disappointment. It's a lot to cover, and the field is covered in snow, so let's kick off. Be a good son, myself 100%, oh. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Soccer Talk Lads podcast. It is Saturday, February 5th. We are taking a break, uh, a brief pause from our two-week spree of Chinese communist propaganda to Mm -hmm. uh, sit together and talk about a sport that the Chinese are especially bad at, soccer. I don't know if that's true. I mean, they don't have have any (laughs) in the soccer world, so let's say it's true. Uh, my name is Stephen Ground. I'm I'm joined by the man single-handedly responsible for uh, destroying Fabio Carvalho's mm. transfer to Liverpool in the dying hours of the January transfer window. It's Justin Horniker on the western side of the mm. state. How are you today? Thank Justin? you. I'm doing good. That's right. I bought him in my latest FIFA save, and he only got to be a 78 overall. So I think that so, probably Klopp heard about that, and then he said, "You know yeah. what? We, we don't need him." Actually, <laughs> I think you. I think you bailed him out. I think. I think you saved Jurgen Klopp from having so, an egg on his face. Is my belief. Hopefully, I get um, a hug out of it. That's all I want. <laughs> oh, don't we all? Mm-hmm. Every human being on this planet is just chasing after a Jurgen Jurgen Klopp hug. All I want in my life. Yep, exactly. Uh, all right. So we've got a lot to talk about today on the soccer side of things. Uh, Ian is feeling a little under the weather. You know, he makes an excuse every time. Hmm. He'll be back eventually. We've been over this before. Sometimes when you come off of a big day of doing heroin, it's just, it just happens. You you don't feel good the next day. (laughs) You had those rough patches and we are. Hey, we're thinking about you, Ian. You know, you're always here with us. This will, this is what you get for freebasing without <laughs> supervision, you know? So, uh, all right. So us team USA, not team USA, USMNT had a sick three game window that we will talk about. We'll talk about transfer window as well. We'll talk about the greatest, uh, MLS import in, uh, Switzerland's history. I would mm. say pretty confidently. I would definitely think. in Kosovo history. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, we're talking about a lot today, so but let's kick it off with what I guess is, you know, since we don't quite have our own MLS team, although it's, it's coming soon. Uh, we've got players now kind of, we're um, along. We, we have, uh, we have the USMNT, team to fill in uh for the time being and they had a three-game window and it was a mixed bag to say the least it was very strange we hosted el salvador we went to canada and then we hosted honduras in northern alaska no just kidding Mm. minneapolis but what difference did it make colder it's where was the el salvador game uh well, columbus. Salvador was somewhere warmer right oh no, i mean columbus like yeah <laughs> not exactly uh you know dallas or something yeah not tropical um but... 
that game ended one to nothing due to a Jedi Robinson who is actually Anthony Robinson, right? I know. Why why has he become Jedi now? Because he said something about wanting to be called Jedi, then apparently we're just supposed to call him that now. I don't know. I I mean it makes sense because there's two Robinsons, right? So if you're gonna go Miles Robinson, Anthony Robinson. But I don't know why we're all supposed to call him that. I thought it was just a nickname, but apparently he wants it to be his actual name. So, you know what? So this Who is, am I to judge? <laughs> this is one of those things where it's like you're just Ronaldinho now. Yeah, this like is just what you call me now. Yeah, this just is my name. Cool. cool I don't know. Cool. I mean, I'm cool with it. I'm down with the Jedi. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm not against it. It's he also, just, uh, kind of... with the, uh, not to fast forward too much but his celebration of his goal it really got me and i'm uh give him mad props for thinking that he pulled his hamstring on his flip that he did and then walking it off that was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know he deserved it after scoring yeah. the only goal of the game we didn't look good in the first half i would say we scuffled quite a bit mm-hmm. um El Salvador is a, a tougher team than honduras for example but not one you should probably struggle with at home um, did we lose to El Salvador or draw with El Salvador? We drew with El Salvador and we lost okay. to Panama. Those are those are our big black That's marks right. on this window. That's right. Uh, and, you know, got a little bit of revenge here. He did have the goal. They uh, missed a chance by Ferreira. <laughs> I can't speak. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't a very exciting game. It was pretty, pretty dull. I yeah, think. it was one of those things where, like, we dominated a run of play and like I'm looking at player ratings and Ferreira actually had a really good game, but we didn't really have a striker on the field because Ferreira is more of like a, I would think of him more as a shadow striker, secondary striker, like a attacking forward than uh-huh. like an actual number nine. So when you don't have anyone who can finish and you're like dominating all this possession and then it, yeah, it just wasn't in doubt, but also you're just waiting for that goal at some point. Right. And I feel like with, I don't know. We talked, they talked a little on the um, total soccer show about Mm -hmm. how we don't really have anyone who stepped up to claim the number nine role. And I just feel like that's not true. Like, I feel like it's Ricardo Pepe. Yeah. Until it's not, you know, if if we keep, I feel like we keep saying that anew as if he hasn't done anything to prove that he earned it like he can have you can have a bad game Mm. after you've earned a spot but like i don't really understand trying to pretend that there's still a controversy there when to me there's a queer number one preferred option right now yeah and and i think other options we'll talk about this more in the canada and honduras games but even in the games where he doesn't score he brings you something up top that no one else does and that is like what he tries to do and like how he tries to score and how he tries to create that no one else in our player pool really has like say what you want about P folk and Sargent probably should have been in this roster, but they're still not giving you what Pepe does as far as his creativity up top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sargent has, you know, had the two goals for Norwich and that was a big moment. Mm. Hopefully, you know, it kind of sucks that the break came when it did because, you know, it would have been nice to see him get a chance to build on yeah. that momentum. Well, it came um, out like at the halftime of that game. So I wonder if he like just sensed that he wasn't in the team and decided to give it to Greg and score a brace in the second half. Yeah, maybe. 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 But, maybe. Um, I want, you know, I want, obviously we're, 
we have a special interest in Sargent being mm. local and everything, yeah. but like, we love, him. you know, I think he's, he's got the potential to take that next step and be that guy too. Um, I think if you're looking like a year ago, that's pretty much who everybody thinks is going to take that step and be that person. Um, and it just hasn't, you know, worked well yet in Norwich, but he got the two goals. He got the USA chance and the standing ovation and all that. And now you just hope that he can roll that into more momentum. It is unfortunate the timing, you know, maybe if he gets those two goals and Greg gets to pick a team a day later, maybe mm. he makes the team. Cause you know, you want to capitalize on that momentum. That's unfortunate. But I think as far as with the U S MNT and, and everything else, it just seems to me like Pepe's the guy at the moment and no it's not you know robert Lewandowski up there <laughs> we don't have yeah. that option and if we did we'd probably be a lot happier but like harry kane wasn't born in idaho so you know where where all usmnt players are yes born, absolutely so. wasn't born in dallas would probably be uh, <laughs> yeah exactly where so 50 percent of our u.s roster comes from that's right and like a good another 10% come from Missouri, I feel like. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, I just think it's it's kind of creating a controversy just to have a controversy. Mm. And we should just kind of pretend, not pretend even, but just kind of acknowledge that it's, it's uh, peppy until it isn't for some queer, undeniable reason. Um, any other thoughts on this game that you feel like deserve to be said? I no, think I think pretty good yeah defense look good i think that's what i take away from this window is that when you have like our back four i think is pretty set in stone and i feel mm-hmm. good about that i feel good about our midfield don't know where everything lines up as far as like the depth goes going forward but going into this canada game your two strong points were your two strong points but uh you have to be able to put the ball in the back of the net and you have to be able to not be so I don't know. We just get hit on the counter a lot. And when you're playing mm-hmm. Canada, who that's their thing, especially with the speed that they have and the skill they have up top, that's a problem. That's why yeah. we play Mexico so much better than we play Canada. Yeah. Pulisic continues to be a guy that doesn't look like he really, you know, can influence a game right from the start. Mm-hmm. It seems he seems to be more comfortable in that kind of ultimate sub role, which is the role he's playing. If, for Chelsea so it's not necessarily easy to just adjust immediately when you're on the national team but that something needs to figure out because yeah you don't want to have your best player be like you know the super sub kind of guy I feel like a guy we'll talk about a little later but I feel like Switzerland had that problem with Shakiri a lot because you know that's the role he played for Liverpool for so long and he played it phenomenally well Mm. coming off the bench and just finding a way to make something happen but like he never pretty much got starts unless the world was coming to an end and so you know I think when he went to play for Switzerland it's like well I don't even know how to play a whole 90 Mm. minute game and like and like build into the momentum of the game and discover discover what the what the shape is going to be while I'm on the field you know because I I'm just so used to watching from the sidelines and seeing it develop in front of me and then knowing exactly the role I'm coming into play. That's hard. I mean, it's, it's yeah. to me, it's harder in, in soccer than in any other sport to be that guy that comes in. Cause you're coming into a whole, like it's a whole identity that mm. the game has kind of constructed for itself. And when you do come in, your coach can tell you very specifically, like what, 
what you have to do and what he wants from you and the position to play and everything else. Figuring that out from the start of the game is totally different. And I'm not, I'm not making excuses for Pulisic. I'm just saying I kind of understand it. However, no, like, he does want to be the star of this team. Yeah, no, I think it's stuff. valid because like four matters so much in the sport, and especially like in international play when you don't play together all the time anyway. So you want to bring in the players who are like on form. And with Pulisic, he's playing on a team right now that doesn't use wide players unless they're wingbacks. Like that is Thomas mm-hmm. Tuchel's whole system. So when he is getting in, he's playing out of position to begin with. He's playing inside. He's not playing out on the wing, which is where he's always going to be for the U.S. team. So, like, I almost think, I was thinking about this the other day, like, Pulisic probably doesn't want to leave Chelsea just because of the status that gives him, the, how much they're paying him, and how much they paid to get him there. But, like, it seems like he would be a player who'd be good as, like, the guy on a team. Like, yeah. go to Crystal Palace or something and just always play. <laughs> I think for his development that, needs to happen because yeah, i just need more i don't time. think yeah i don't think he's ever going to break into the starting 11 on a full-time basis mm. in chelsea and he's too young to not have more playing time than he gets you know I yeah mean, unless tuchel doesn't last which yeah would be crazy but yeah yeah he just doesn't fit their system really yeah and it's you know easy for me to say sitting in ball and <laughs> and you know to tell Christian Pulisic how to run his career. But I do think there's some, Mm. there's some fairness to that because, you know, I think we've seen some of the guys that go out and do get a lot of playing time really kind of take a step forward. And, you know, I, I think as much as with McKinney, this window, even with how good he's been for Juventus and then that continued. And I think even as much as we malign MLS right now, you know, overall compared to other international leagues, like I would rather have a Ricardo Pepe who's playing as the, as the guy for Mm. FC Dallas, than have a guy who's like, Oh yeah. I'm, you know, even the Serginio desk where it's like, I'm training with FC Barcelona, but I'm not playing for FC. He's different now, but there was that period, you know, Mm. where he was pretty much a super sub. That's always class. And so, Yeah. (laughs) I should have, you know, he's perfect and and without that's repro- right. beyond reproach. So I should have picked a better example. But you know, <laughs> uh, one of those guys who can't break into the team and and needs you know needs more exposure that can be dangerous when you're coming into these high pressure cup windows and you don't have you know if you're going into the World Cup you'll have weeks to prepare mm. as a team and and not not just get dropped into you know Columbus when two days ago you were in Frankfurt or wherever yeah. and, and have to figure it out from there, you know? So anything else you want to say about the El Salvador game? No, let's move on to Canada. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's get this out of the way. <laughs> uh, my pain right. and suffering out of the way. Let's do it. You want to lead us through this one? Yeah. So this was just playing in Hamilton, of course, in, I don't know, the middle of a neighborhood. Ham city. Like. <laughs> we should never, Canada should never be allowed to host a game in Hamilton again. That turf was so bad. And it was just like, we should never be allowed to host a game in the winter in Minnesota again. Yeah. No, <laughs> I think I love how, I love how Canada is like, it has probably six of its biggest cities, you know, it's got uh, Toronto, mm-hmm. Ottawa, the basically the ones that have hockey Montreal, teams, Vancouver. Montreal, Vancouver, Edmonton, Alberta, Winnipeg. But then like probably 
I would say like 80% of the next 10 to 15 biggest cities are just suburbs of, of Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> like Hamilton is just a Toronto suburb, but they treat it like it's its own city. With like you know? stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it doesn't have stuff. It is the ambitious city, the electric city, Ooh. the hammer and steel town. So Steven, it's there. What is that flag look like? Let's uh let's talk about that for a second before we get is, too far into what this. What is that? That looks <laughs> that looks that looks disturbing. Oh yeah. Have you, have you seen it yet? There it is. Okay. I don't know what to do with that. I mean it's it's fine. I guess if I knew what the symbolism was, it's it's fine, but it's like chains around some kind of like a lily, flower. right? That'd be a lily, I would guess. I guess a lily, yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Tell me about the flag of Hamilton here. All right, this let's talk about shows- it. The flag was specifically designed to complement the Canadian flag being a tri-band with a Canadian pale at the center. Oh. Colors are yellow and royal blue. In the center, a golden yellow sink foil, which as the badge of Clan Hamilton represents the city's name. Uh, the chain on the outside represents both unity and the community steel industry, of course, a always thriving oh. industry. Of course, yeah. How do we not know about uh-huh, that's right. their steel industry? Folks, this is not a great flag. I'm, I'm going to go out no. there. I'm going to put my my stamp on it. I, I will say <laughs> confidently that I've seen much worse. I have seen much worse. We've talked about much worse on this amazing. podcast before. Yeah. Yes. It's like a six. It's a five or a six. You're right. It's know? okay. Yeah. Yeah. So now that that's out of the way, we've, <laughs> back to the game. We've, we've delayed talking about this disaster for as long as possible. Please, that's why we need Ian on the pod with our suffering. Yeah, exactly. He can distract us like no other. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just I don't know. This is a hard one to watch because after Canada got that early goal, like. They were well okay with just giving us the ball, sitting back in a low block. And when you have Jonathan David and Kyle Loren, they're both just really good strikers and just proves their strength is our weakness in that they have a lot of speed up top and they can kind of create out of nothing. There is a counterattack later in the game after they already up one nothing, where Loren and David pretty much went like two on four versus the back four and almost got in uh-huh. for a goal. And that just really highlights what we need to work on as a team and what Canada just is so well coached and does right. And I think that's what we don't necessarily have is sometimes we go in and it doesn't look like we necessarily have a game plan. And that I think does really show off the Greg Burhalter versus John Herdman kind of duality there where Burhalter constantly has his team playing below expectations. Herdman constantly has his team playing above expectations. And when you get into a qualifying window and your players are in form, they're the team of destiny right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you put, said it really well. They're almost like, like make no mistake. I think, mm. I think when Canada gets to the world cup, which by all indications they're going to now, um, I think they're going to get destroyed. Not necessarily like maybe, they, maybe they fight out of a group. Um, I don't even know if I believe in that. Cause I just don't think I don't have enough faith in anything beyond that front three mm. to like hold up if you're facing a Belgium or a yeah. Netherlands. And Alfonso Davies, of course, is like one of the best fullbacks in the world. So don't discount that. For sure. 
Yeah, well, you're right. You're right. But um, I, th- I don't know. I think of him as the no. winger because, you know, yeah. because he's so all over the field. But you're completely right. So obviously Alfonso Davies and and David and, and Laren. Are but like your point stands of, in that they have the like three, three world-class players and then a bunch of whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think my point my other point to compliment that is okay. I really think because of like almost in the opposite way, they're perfectly suited to just eat CONCACAF alive right mm. now. Yeah. Because so much of what CONCACAF is doing is like a low block in reaction to the U S team and to a lesser extent, Mexico, you know, kind of play it, play it, keep it, you know, Keep mm. let the other team have possession and keep the low. Block it's how they stopped us from qualifying last time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it worked, you know, it worked. It's what worked against us in the summer, you know, mm. cup runs, even though we ultimately won two of those. Like that's been the strategy that works. Canada, on the other hand, has these two superstar talents up front and one superstar, you know, in the wing slash. Your back, David Alaba back. type who just plays yeah. whatever you put him in. Yeah. Who's distributing <laughs> it. That, and that's like the perfect combination to break mm. through that defensive structure. And so it's it's no wonder to me that they are top of the of CONCACAF and, and look look to be the class of this region right now, because you know, whether or not they are the class of this region top to bottom, I think they are just absolutely perfectly designed to beat these teams. And they yeah. have enough defensive, like you said, they're they're well coached enough that if they do get that early goal, then they can sit in and make life miserable for you. And that's always a recipe for disaster against the against the yeah, Americans. That's why it's hard to really like I don't know what to take away from this game because they got that early goal off of just kind of a fluke play i guess but turner played the ball out they won the first ball it wasn't a good goal kick it wasn't a good defensive effort everything else Mm -hmm. and i was like just talking about how miles robinson had made like a really good recovery like the play before it that led to the goal kick and then all of a sudden he just lets loren just walk right in with the ball basically (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah i mean i think to me i didn't mean to cut you off no something else okay I, w- I was just gonna add i mean i think what it says is like we're not a team that can overcome early goals against yeah. routinely. you know we are we have a couple of times i think we did at the end of the last window and what was looking like the swan song of greg berhalter's career for a while and then you know i think we ended up winning three or four to one i forget the mm. details but but I mean, I think if a team has that defensive structure and aren't kind of a bottom dweller in CONCACAF, I don't think there's anything we cannot break through consistently. And I think that is it tal- talent, maybe, but I think it's coaching before it's talent. I think and so. I'm, like, I don't know. I rate our talent pool very highly and maybe I rate them too highly. But mm-hmm. like to me, it always seems like we're playing below our talent level. Like you look at that yeah. midfield, like Musa, Adams, McKenney. Like, that's the best midfield in the continent by far, I think. And mm-hmm. to constantly see them not getting the results that we should with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but when when Greg made that 
comment about well i think we we brought our physicality oh, we can to them. we can we, get into that we can find the quote. i will find those quotes. okay well <laughs> i mean you'll find the quote but like the 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 thrust of it was well i, I think we did play the more physical game and i think we were the better team and the result just didn't go our way and it's like dude that is a yikes comment mm-hmm. to make after your team loses two to nothing if it had been three to two and their last goal was on a shitty penalty kick or corner kick or something maybe fine maybe you make a comment like that yeah so here's a couple of um greg asked about canada being physical quote they can't handle our physicality we were running them all over the pitch they had a very hard time dealing with what we gave them and i think we dealt with that well he says of a team that scored zero goals against canada they had a very (laughs) hard time dealing with it bro you got shut out you lost two to nothing and then the other quote, which is kind of what we were talking about, but just like in the context of the everything else he was saying, which was, I don't think they dominated much of anything tonight. One thing that separates them from the rest of CONCACAF is the quality of their strikers, which is true. They are able to finish it off, but they deserve, and then he says they deserve credit for that. But he says that in the context of a game where you didn't bring on like your best striker until the 70th minute, like he didn't make any subs until the 70th minute of the game either, after we are already being frustrated, not dominating anything, Craig. Those quotes are yeah. just infuriating to me. It's just like everything he says. Everything he says is just so annoying. <laughs> it's just, I mean, that is just, that's just a loser mentality. I don't, I don't like to, I'm not trying to, I'm mm. not, I don't care about Greg Berhalter as an individual. I wish him no harm really. But like, yeah, that is, that's the kind of quote you say when you're like Ted Lasso and you're coaching Tranmere and you're trying to beat <laughs> Manchester United in the, in the FA cup, you know, right. And you lose two to nothing and you say, Oh, but we brought so much physicality and I don't think they were prepared for it. And that's what you're trying to say to build your team up to s- still feel good to go back and face lesser competition in league two. It is not what you say after you lose. I don't want, it wasn't a must win. You know, we got six points from this yeah. window and we we'll be, we'll be about, fine. We'll be just, we fine. can talk about if we love that or hate it or in the middle, but like, mm. It wasn't a game you wanted to lose. You would love to have seven points from this window, bare minimum. And um, it's just a, yeah, it was just real yikes to me to say that, especially when you're a guy who, let's be honest, your job isn't all that secure, you know? And it's just, it seems to me like you should be saying something with a little more bravado and fire rather than saying oh no it's all good you know we were we we were physical even if even if you think you were you've got to phrase it a little bit differently and just say i think our physicality was actually really good but obviously canada found ways to break through that and Mm. we need to improve on xyz like you cannot you cannot come out of this game and be like oh yeah i'm fired up baby (laughs) you know like i just don't think that's acceptable Um, Yeah, and like the stats don't bear that out either. Like Mm -hmm. we did dominate possession, but that's because Canada wanted us to have possession. Like you can't look at us having the ball and say, oh, we did a good job when they wanted us to have the ball. And you look at total chances. We had nine chances to Canada six, but XG wise, Canada had the two big chances and it didn't really look like we dominated much like yes we had a lot of the ball but what did we do with that with our time with the ball and not much really yeah (laughs) yeah it was it was just wasn't all that good it wasn't all that convincing and so i don't know what you 
how you come out with a really yeah. positive attitude. I do want to say uh, in looking up Tranmere to make sure they were a real <laughs> team, um, I learned that Forest Green is uh, at the top of League Two. By Good on you, Forest they, Green. They are the team. First of all, they're the team that I tried to take um, – like when you do the FIFA thing, I forget what they call. I think they call it Road to Glory, where you try mm. to take like a lower league club and get them all the way to the Premier League. Yeah. Um, but I lost patience with it because I'd already done like a long franchise and I was near the end of my window rather than the beginning. However, the other thing is they're also a very uh, eco friendly, earth conscious club. So, you know, take that neocons yeah, or whoever. That's right. um, <laughs> because, you know, and they've, they've got really cool super bright green jerseys that are made out of like coffee waste or something so they're a team that you can really get behind let's in see my you, have, you see these oh those are good kits i forgot about those yeah. yeah i mean they're 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 out there but they i think they were I'm a fan i'm a fan yeah yeah it's one of those things like we talked about like kids before sorry to go on a tangent i know we're talking about you yeah. here. <laughs> but yeah. if you're gonna go bold you have to go bold you can't like straddle the mid the mid you can't halfway it no yeah. you absolutely cannot halfway um we didn't halfway the temperature in our third game in this window, that's right uh beating honduras three to nothing or as you said trey e sub-zero um <laughs> It was bad. It was bad conditions. Honduras isn't good to begin with. We put them in a situation where their players were literally getting hypothermia. Yeah. And um, we dominated pretty much all aspects of the game. And it's positive. It's you want that. You want that to be how you end the window. But like at the same time, given the conditions, how excited can you be? Yeah, You know, like, of course you were the better team. You were the better team on an even playing field. And then you put them in sub-zero frozen frigid Minneapolis. Like, what did you expect? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I, on the one hand, I am not, I am not really in league with these people who are like shaming the U.S. for playing the game there. Cause it's like, I think it just, no, I'm, I'm with you too, Stephen, but I think it just points to that loser mentality that you talked about. Where yeah. it's like, we feel like we have to put Honduras, who's the worst team in the Ocho, like at a disadvantage to play against. Yeah. Like, no, that's a really six nothing if we played it on a good like field in like 50 degree weather, you know? Yeah. No, that's a really good point and probably the better point. My only counter offer is like if, if, and I don't remember if this happened at Honduras or not, but like if you're a country that can't keep your fans from throwing bags of urine at the other player, yeah, then you don't get to complain if you're if that team puts you in a cold climate. You know, that would be my only thought. I'm more but worried like, about like this is a team like us, USMNT is a team with like plenty of injury prone players, and you're going to play them yeah. at like zero degrees when you have Pulisic with hamstring issues and Jordan Morris coming off of a torn ACL, like yeah. starting the game. It's, it's wild yeah yeah that was a weird call i definitely like i wouldn't want them to do this often i just don't think it's like a moral failure like some people seem to imply that no i just think it's dumb might be a judgment (laughs) failure but not a not a moral failure just dumb it was a dumb decision so you know we want it pulisic got a goal right after he subbed on which was very positive Mm. for him but kind of also goes to reinforce what we were saying earlier um the other goals came from uh walker zimmerman and weston mckinney very early um well the mckinney one was early the walker zimmerman one was late in the second half first half um 
I mean, yeah, I don't know what more there is to say here, really. Uh, yeah, I uh, the field goal is nice because that looked like it was all just he took it on instinct and just like curled it to the yeah. corner. And yeah, that was good. Yeah, he's very good when he uh, wants to be. You Hopefully know? that's just... like that confidence boosting. Like sometimes you need those performances just to like, get you out of the get you out of the muck. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a good way to close the window. You'd rather close it on a high note than a low note obviously that's a given Steven, if you're going to guess have... how much possession we had in this game what would what would your guess be percentage wise? oh uh wow i'm gonna say like 78 percent. no it's, bad. it's probably too low it's probably not no you are too high we have 73 percent though but that's okay. like all right the most dominant possession i've ever seen <laughs> yeah yeah that's pretty bad uh honduras created one chance they had two total shots compared to our 16 shots 11 chances and two big chances created so it was it was not an even game no and, and like there are times expect, when yeah and there are times when like they looked like they could go on a counter and then like mckenny or costa would just like outrun them back and get the ball <laughs> yeah yeah no it worked out well for us for sure yeah. and you got the points. Let's look at the standings. Concacaf octagonal standings. Yeah, we're sitting now where if the U.S. goes into Azteca, they beat Mexico, and I think we need maybe a Panama loss potentially or Costa Rica loss. Somebody needs to lose, but we could potentially not only clinch a World Cup berth in Mexico at the Azteca, but also uh, get Tata Matino fired. So that'd be nice too. That'd be a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> I think if we won in the Azteca, we definitely would get them fired. Uh, we play Panama on this next window, mm. really, right? So winning yeah, that game home. would pretty much seal. We play all harder. three teams below us. So we played Mexico, Panama and Costa Rica this next window. So right. harder ish, but we should beat at least the Panama game at home and we should be beating Costa Rica and Mexico is going to yeah. be a shit show regardless so <laughs> yeah i think beating panama is is the one that's like you know if you do that then you're in pretty mm. much yeah um but you obviously would love to have a strong window you'd love to win all three you would. i'm not gonna sit here and say go win a game at the azteca like mm. it's no big deal however they have gotten more fired up for their mexico games recently and have seemed and to mexico have the most is struggling still and like yeah. all bets are off when you are playing down there when they play here right it's a rivalry game anything can happen yeah. but it'd be a good opportunity for us to twist the knife a little bit yeah exactly and i i you know i think it's it would be a statement win, like we had several this summer so you would love to have that too uh i heard recently that bad bunny is also going to perform oh that's cool yeah fresh fresh off his royal rumble wwe superstar bad bunny is going to be that's good that's good exactly so (laughs) pretty much the same as greg berhalter equal levels of charisma and popularity i would say those two um tata martinez you know somewhere in that group as well uh yeah so i think i think we can rest fairly easily that this is a world cup bound team Mm. but you would love it to be easier still if you've gotten a point or especially three against canada you'd feel like it's smooth sailing Mm. um we have to do some work to get there i just think that we will be able to so yeah that's kind of where i'm at any other thoughts about the about the window Whoops. no that's where i'm at too i'm just like left after this window still 
under the impression that we should have a different manager and like knowing now that oh, yeah. we're not going to change until after the world cup if we do change but unless we go to the world cup and beat someone looking good that's the like the only thing that would ever convince me because there's been so much like personnel wise roster decision wise that just doesn't make any sense but we're still in a good position so that feels good <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, I think I feel that I really felt that way after Canada. I'm not, I don't know. I I don't think the team would be dramatically better off if probably we had another manager, but yeah. I, I definitely don't think Greg is bringing it. I just want to still table. look better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's kind of how I feel about coaches is like, if, if they're not making you better, if you feel like they're not making you better, then there are other options. Right. There, yeah. You know? Well, we talked. We've talked about that before with Man United taking so long to get rid of Ole. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like sure you like the guy, sure he's working hard. It's nobody mm-hmm. questions that. But like, if he's not the best guy, you should be searching for the best guy. Right. You'd have the same mentality about a striker, and that's going to cost you like a hundred times as much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just don't under exactly understand it. So that's the USMNT window. Good to. Uh, you know, have the points in hand and, and I March is that when we're back at it. Yeah. Next month, final window. Here we go. That's right. It's going to be exciting. Uh, some local news. We, we alluded at it earlier, but uh, STL city SC signs their first player. Correct. Correct. Selmir Pedro. I may be butchering that once he's, you know, on the field, I'll know how to say it better. I think I said it right. Yeah, why, why am yeah. I doubting myself? I don't know. It's a pretty straightforward uh, name. <laughs> he's a 23-year-old back left back. Thanks, Justin. Uh, for uh, from FK Sarajevo, uh, which is obviously a, a queer tie-in to the Bosnian community mm. in St. Louis, which is you know they have been so keenly aware of in this whole process and had the the Bosnian version of the app, and that's really cool to mm. see um, because we do have a huge Bosnian population. And I think a lot of folks don't necessarily know that, you know, so I think it's really cool to see that. Um, what do you know about uh, Stelmir Pedro? I'm not going to sit here and pretend that you've done a ton of scouting in advance of his signing. And no, well- and it's actually a little hard to find a lot of stuff for him just because the yeah. Bosnian league, as I'm sure you would be aware it doesn't have a lot of English media coverage, but <laughs> <laughs> um, we did find a, there have been some highlights of him that we've posted on our Twitter, but I'll post that again after the podcast. Um, he's pretty solid. He's played international appearance for Bosnia. He actually played in the recent game against the US in that December made up camp. Um, and he is a player who can get up forward which is good that's what this team wants to do they want their fullbacks or wingbacks to be involved in the attack but the thing that stood out to me is he's very defensively responsible when you look at that highlight there's a lot of coverage of him stepping up and intercepting passes and starting the counter attack that way and in a league where there aren't a ton of like high impact fullbacks just because of the nature of the salary cap i think is a really good signing yeah i think you know we talked a little bit about like trying to get that local interest um, and that sort of thing um, a few times. Mm. And I think we, we did it well here with the, with the Bosnian tie in, but you want good players too, not just somebody you're forcing into a, into a particular mold. And I think that 
we definitely had that as yeah well, he's a good player he fits the system he's a 23 year old left back so even if he comes and he doesn't play here for a while that's good asset management of that's a player that has sell on potential as well yeah yeah i agree um so moving on we should expect mls next pro schedules sometime soon along with complete roster announcements for that group probably looking at a u23 setup with a few players destined for a big team call up next season are you excited just i'm very excited yeah i'm excited to see what the kids are going to look like to start with because that's going to that's going to be nice um and then just to have a team to cheer for, right? <laughs> yeah, hey, exactly. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be cool to see uh, that preview. We'll get some version of a, of a St. Louis City SC mm-hmm. kit too. So that'll be exciting. Um, it's only a year away now, right? I mean, we're yeah. talking, We it seemed like so long when we started all this and and now here we'll we see are. Our, our roster will come together Stadium. pretty quickly here. And yeah, the stadium is, is looking, you know, like a stadium without mm-hmm. seats still, but still like a stadium. Uh, it's exciting. That's, like, that's right. like the last thing to go in, right? The seats usually, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, MOS news, other news uh, in the, in the final hours, although I guess MOS's window is a little different than other people, but just in the last couple of days, Jordan Shakiri, uh, who moved to where was he? Lille? Lille. Uh Leon, I think. Leon, yeah. yeah. Somewhere else. <laughs> or no, one of them French cities. Uh he moved to uh the Chicago Fire, added the power cube, uh, the most square human being uh-huh. that there has ever been. Just um, the state of the man. Yeah. Have you I don't I don't remember which who it was, but there's that rap video where they're literally in like the box shirts. Yeah. I think it's um, a is it Kanye and uh it might be, yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh that's Jordan pretty much in a nutshell. Fire have had a uh pretty decent office season as adding Casper Prashepko from Shabilko, Steven. Casper Shabilko. Oh, Come on. How how dare you misspell mispronounce that? I name. really <laughs> thought I really thought I was gonna do that too. Uh and another DP in Federico Navarro for five million dollars. Although losing, you wanted to say this one for me? Frismilal uh Frankowski, I believe. Wow. Terrible. Uh I I looked at I listened to a video while we were doing this, and um, it's it's for Shermislav. Oh, how the okay. Wow. Nicely right. accented <laughs> gentleman said, uh, "Frankowski from a team that was already not great uh, is is an issue." But hey, maybe maybe Shakiri will be the yeah will be that kind of transformative. I want to talk about this a little bit because like I feel like the Shakiri signing in a vacuum is a good signing, but. I don't know if bringing in Shakiri as like one of your three DPs for a guy who has a lot of injury issues is on the other side of 30 for a guy who's been playing a ton of minutes since he was like 18 years old. I don't know. It's an interesting signing. Like I think Shakiri is very good. He's definitely not that like retirement league moniker that MLS sometimes gets, but you know, it is, it does make me think a little bit about Shakiri's one of those guys. Like I love him. I love Shakiri yeah. for everything he did in a Liverpool kit, and he'll be very and good when he plays. He's but... just like a bold, 
unique player and mm. you know speaks his mind about um the kosovo stuff which is also yeah. obviously pretty understandable and and sympathetic but um i th- i think it's probably going to be cool for them but he is one of those players that just seems like he can't quite be consistent mm. and he can't quite he was never quite fit in in like a top european club you know as a starter as an everyday player he just never quite hit that level but then he'd play for switzerland and he'd look like a star like he'd be one of their best players um you know so it's just a little bit hard to say what he'll be in the mos i think you know he'll he'll I think he'll do well there, but like you said, it's just, it doesn't seem like it's exactly certain yeah. how he'll perform. So it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see. I'll definitely like, I know that we'll probably have a rivalry with Chicago, but this year I'll be kind of interested slash rooting for Shakiri because I like him a lot personally. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they do. Um with him this year because it you know it's it's a little it's a little uncertain if if he was still dominating in uh europe he probably wouldn't be coming down once right now so probably not yeah. and like chicago has a ton of issues to begin with and they lost their left midfielder i don't know if that's necessarily a like for like plug in take out casper shabilko is another player who can't play a ton like he's a player that often came off the bench and looked good for philly but like is a player who had to have his minutes managed. So you have like a team with a couple of guys who need to have hardcore minutes management and they don't have a ton of depth to begin with. So yeah, I'm not sure how smart that is. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll find out, I guess pretty soon because the season kicks off. Mm. I do like Casper Spilko a lot though. I hate that the fire signing players I like, I don't enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's not fun. No. Um, Charlotte obviously built pretty much a whole team. They have four transfers over a million dollars from outside of MOS. Um, the biggest of which being Carol Swiderski, uh, a Polish center forward from Salonika. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see them take the field and see how they do. Any big thoughts on Charlotte? No, I mean, I have like... It seemed like their roster came together really late, which I wonder how that's going to like affect how they start. Uh huh. I don't know. I don't know if their like goal is to necessarily be competitive from year one anyway. But it's three D chess. If anything <laughs> seems like a bad idea, it's three D chess. So. Right. Um. They have done like I did enjoy how they bought Riley McGee for like a hundred thousand dollars and sold them for four million. I did enjoy that. Like before yeah. he even hit the field, that was good. Uh. Good value for your money good asset management for sure yeah um i think enter miami still found figured out how to make money to sign people which is fun <laughs> emerson rodriguez coming in from millionaires uh in spain no colombia that's that's what that's the colombian flag not the spanish flag the best part that's is they don't look all that similar. that was just <laughs> me being an idiot um i can, can i can what, understand steven if you got confused with venezuela but yeah I don't yeah not anything like that. spain <laughs> slightly um <laughs> fc cincinnati they made a lot of moves last year so pretty calm 
summer this year, which is yeah, I'm sure that'll work out for him well. I was going to say, <laughs> run it back <laughs> because they're still not a good team. So uh, three um, years running worst team in MLS. Why change anything? Why change right. anything at all? Why would you? What? Why would you even be worried about that? You know? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> Atlanta United <laughs> brought in Ronaldo Hernandez from Aberdeen. That's the Scottish. They're, they're in Scotland. That one I know. Yes. Um, they're a fun team. I, I do like it. Yeah. Uh, it brought in Luis Araujo from Lille too. Like I think. Yeah. Atlanta's always trying to swing big, and I I like Luis Araujo a lot. So I think they'll be they'll be back. Yeah. They did sell George Bello to. Uh, Bielefeld in Germany. Hmm. Um, but Fernando Torres coming in to Orlando City SC or Facundo Torres. That that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I was like, Fernando Torres is going to be real old at this point. <laughs> um, Drag him out of retirement, throw him onto the that's, field. <laughs> that's a big $7 million signing. Bones. They're hoping that's going to be their new star up front. Hmm. Uh, Cesar Arujo also joining for $2 million. So a couple big moves for Orlando city. I love Orlando city. Daryl DK out uh, to West Brom. That's almost an even if they sold DK for 9.5 million. They bought Torres and Arujo for 9.5 million. So that's a pretty yeah, even. That's a good. Yeah. Out. I think Orlando is starting to figure it out. Like that's a team yeah. that I like what they built and like, it's taken a while to really like, make themselves something in MLS, but I think at this point their front office is pretty good. Like everyone can get him flack for waiting on Daryl DK, but with how they use that money after they sold him, I think it was solid. Yeah. Yeah. I think they I think they did pretty well. Um New York City FC didn't do a lot. They won MLS Cup, so they don't have a lot of improvements mm. to make. Uh Philadelphia Union take bringing in Mikhail Ure from Denmark. Denmark? Denmark. Yeah, I think that's the Danish Rondi. flag. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's their big addition. Uh, a couple players in on loan as well, but um, not a lot of moves there. Toronto made some moves. Um, they brought in Lucas McNaughton in the winter window. What did they do apart from that? Anything of significance? Anything Toronto? of significance uh, outside yeah. of adding a Syria star? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> There's still some questions about... there. Toronto, just to pause them a little bit, Toronto's super interesting because they also made a switch. Uh, they brought in Car- Carlos Salcedo and got rid of, uh, what's his name? Jefferson Salcedo. So they kind of made a good switch of DP for DP defenseman, which was mm-hmm. like they needed help on defense. So I'm interested to see like just how well Carlos Salcedo slots in. And they still need to figure out something to do with Josie because Josie is still DP so, right now and they need to get rid of him. <laughs> so they brought in a Sal- Salcedo and they got rid of a Salcedo. That's so. right. A Salcedo. Oh, sorry. A Salcedo. Yeah. Oh, a Salcedo okay. for a Salcedo. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> You know, so I'm going to still count it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they'll be interesting. Obviously, we talked about the Insigne last time, mm. I believe, um, which is nice because it means we've had more than one podcast hey. in the last couple of months. <laughs> um, but uh, us. Who that's obviously it's similar to the Shakiri thing. It's like, I mean, you know, I think Insigne is a level above Jordan Shakiri. Mm. So it's a little less of that trepidation, but like, there is always that risk when you make that one signing that like is going to be clearly the focal point of your whole yeah. team now is like, if 
if that doesn't work, then I think I, I trust Bob Bradley as a coach. Yeah. So I figure that. Yeah. I agree. I think they're better positioned to make it Mm -hmm. work for sure. But like you said, they've also got to try and get rid of Josie or figure out some solution there. They haven't yet. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, New York rebels didn't make a lot of major splashes, some moves here and there, um, but nothing crazy. Montreal brought in Alistair Johnston from Nashville, um, but nothing super crazy outside of that. DC United brought in Brad Smith from Seattle. Uh, I have a friend named Brad mm-hmm. Smith. Probably everyone else listening to this <laughs> podcast does too. But I Brad always, Smith in his quest yeah. to play for every single MLS team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always uh, give my my particular version of Brad Smith a little trouble whenever I see this Brad Smith on the airwaves. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC United also sold Kevin Paredes to Wolfsburg for seven point three five million and sold par. Paul Ariola to Dallas for two million. Two that's million in a- Gam. Also, that's good. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, you never, you never can be sure what the. You can never have too much Gam on an MLS yeah. to MLS move. <laughs> uh, the Revolution brought in Sebastian Legette from Los Angeles. I think that's a a cool move for them. I don't know if you know go back and forth on how good Legette actually is, but I think he's a good MLS player. Like I think our, our thoughts of him on the national team kind of cloud how good, like his actual club play. But I think Mm -hmm. Legette is a good player, just not being shoehorned into the national team starting 11. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, They also sold Tejan Buchanan to uh, club Brugge in in Belgium. So that was this big $7 million move. They haven't Mm. really repurposed the money from that yet. If they plan to at all. So um, could be a team to still watch as a potential mover. The Columbus crew who changed their logos more than uh, the big show turns in wrestling. I guess he doesn't do that in AEW anymore because he's kind of a sideline player, but you know, he'll probably turn when he comes back to WWE and have that's right. Those of you who know that reference are laughing out loud right now. You're like, I'll turn like four times before (laughs) the first night is over. Uh, in any case, the crew brought in Yao Yaboa from Krakow for $2 million, um, and a bunch of free transfers, including Will Sands from Georgetown relation to James Sands, I'm assuming. Possibly. (laughs) Both Americans named Sands. I'm just going to go on. How how common is that last name? Yeah. Sebastian Burhalter as well. Speaking of. Uh, They also drafted Patrick Schulte. It was the Blues or the Billikens goalkeeper. Yes. Yes. So cool. They'll be a fun team to watch. Mm. Colorado brought in Max, just Max. (laughs) <laughs> from flamingo and brazil god i, I love, love brazilians her shoes like max and fred <laughs> yeah uh and uh i guess if i guess if he can be just literally just max then i can't be mad at anthony robinson for being jedi that's right um <laughs> they brought they brought in uh abu abubakar keita also from columbus um, did I do that one right? Did I say I think that one so? Correctly? Yeah, I believe you got that. Say that I did. That sounded good. Uh, they, they sold Kellen Acosta to LAFC and Austin Trusty to Arsenal. Francisco Calvo comes in for the earthquake, but they didn't really make any major 
um, signings of of the trains. Yeah, I don't know variety. why they're gonna be <laughs> bad. I would yeah. say they're gonna be bad. Um, Austin FC brought in a couple million and a half type players. Zan Kolmanik and Jojan Valencia. Yeah, and I'm excited to see Sebastian Drewzy with like an actual full season of play because he mm-hmm. looked good at the end of the year last year too. I think they'll yeah. be good. And they also drafted Kip Keller, the center back mm-hmm. from yep. Slough. Yep, yep. Um, who should be pretty, I think he'll be pretty great. Yeah, Kip Keller was also like all over the place in the mock drafts. Like some people were thinking he was going to go one or two overall. So I, yeah. that's, like, that's a steal for them. Yeah, I think they feel pretty good about that. Nashville minor moves. Um, selling Alistair Johnson to Montreal, probably their biggest move. Minnesota United, also fairly minor moves. LAFC, we mentioned bringing in Kellen Acosta, Maxime Crepo from Vancouver. Uh, mostly uh, across MOS moves for them. Mm. Um, and then selling Eduard Etiwesta to Palmeiras in Brazil and Bryce Duke to Miami for a little bit of money. Uh, the Galaxy pretty quiet they sold legit to new england and brought in marky delgado from toronto but you know moves other than that fairly quiet yeah um, dejan jovolich uh jovolich uh from yeah. as well yeah that'll be do you, do you enjoy <laughs> saying that name yeah uh, sporting kc you have any thoughts on sporting kc's moves um alan polito went down with a, with a season long injury so and they can't bring in another dp because of MLS roster rules. So they'll be uh, an interesting team to watch with how they replace the one player who made them work last year. So they'll be interesting because yeah. they lost losing Buzio and losing Polito within like a year span. Polito not forever, but he's not going to be Pretty playing rough. this year. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a rough yeah. turnaround. The Sounders were real quiet. They brought in or they sold Brad Smith. Um, brought in a couple of free transfers in the draft. Picks, be good, like always major. <laughs> of course they will. Uh, Houston Dynamo brought in Sebastian Ferreira from Libertad. Um, 4.3 million. That's a nice addition. 16 uh, year old Brooklyn Reigns from Barca Academy in the U.S. And um, yeah, I don't know. Houston will be interesting to watch this year a little bit. With the big signing. Speaking of big signings, FC Dallas bringing in Alan Velasco and uh, Paul Ariola for a total of nine million dollars. Did they make some major sale or something that yeah, paid them a yeah. lot of cash flow? Uh, Ricardo Pepe for eighteen million. They also sold Brian Reynolds pretty recently for seven point four three. Yeah, Tasman for four million. They have a ton of money coming in, and they gave some of that to Jesus Ferreira as well. They made him a DP this year, so that's where some of that's going. And then. Uh, Alan Velasco, I think, is going to be a good signing. So I'm interested to see how they do this year. Yeah, um, they're doing it. They're doing it. They're kind of the model, I feel like, for yeah. for for uh, academy teams right now. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how the new investments play out for them. Um, Real Salt Lake, not a lot of big moves. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Vancouver didn't do a lot. They sold uh, Crapo to the... LAFC, they sold Theo Bear to St. Johnston in like uh, English League 12 and then um, brought in Tristan Blackman from Charlotte. Uh, Portland Timbers brought in David Ayala from Estudiantes uh, and sold Diego Valeri at 35. And that's the MLS. That's sad. It's sad not having Diego Valeri in MLS anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like an era brought to an end for Mm -hmm. sure. 
Um, any other thoughts on those moves? I just wanted to meditate on Real Salt Lake for a moment. I didn't realize how nothing of an offseason they had. They spent $132,000 and also sold $0. So it's that is completely nothing. That is a nothing of an offseason. It's wild. Really yeah, bad. I don't know how you justify that. Um, period. But I guess you're at the you're so low at this point that like how do you? Yeah, when your head coaches are otherwise. leaving to be an assistant in Seattle, I think it's just there's just nothing there. Yeah. Uh, with all that said, let's let's run through the um, Premier League transfers quickly, um, and then uh, we'll end with the Mason Greenwood news because we have to. Um, but <laughs> that'll be unpleasant. Um, but let's run through a little quicker than we just did the Premier League news. Uh, there are like 30 less Premier League teams than there are. Yeah, I was saying we could take another two away. hours on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Austin Trusty brought in from Colorado. We just mentioned that for Arsenal. But the bigger move that hasn't quite fully finalized yet because it's a summer move is Matt Turner coming in from DC mm-hmm. United to be one of their goaltenders. Maybe they're starting goaltender. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> a little hard to say. Um, pretty, pretty cool to see him get the shot. Um, pretty disappointing to see him, you know, go to Arsenal. But um, yeah, I think I think it's nice because, like, I think there was that still lingering sort of like, not so much, but just like, well, Zach Steffen's in Premier League and Matt Turner's think, just an MLS guy. Yeah, and, and like, Turner's coming up at, at like point in his career. If he didn't move like this window or next window, he's just an MLS lifer at that point. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So goalies have a little bit of a longer shelf life, but I definitely think he was towards that point where mm. it's like put up or shut up. So sort of, it's nice know, to see him at least like get that chance to yeah. know what he's got. Yeah. Um, they also got rid of Obama Yang. Well, not really by choice, but it happened by mutual consent. It It happened around them. Um, Aston Villa brought in Lucas Digne from Everton for 33 million. Uh, that's a big move. Should shore up their back line. And yes, brought in Philly Coutinho on the loan. Um, that's fantastic. I love, I still love Coutinho. I'm yeah. not one Who of doesn't? those Who doesn't haters. love Coutinho? <laughs> yeah, so good for them. And they brought in Matt Target from Newcastle, who has a fun name. I, so. I like what West Ham has done. And like, I know it's weird to think of West Ham as like a top four contender, but they're a top four mm-hmm. contender. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I watched him beat uh, some. Yeah, who didn't? Which <laughs> League 12 team tonight. Uh huh. Uh, or this morning, Brentford, not a lot of action here, um, but they did have probably the the best um, emotional move of the window, bringing in Christian Eriksen uh, in the in the final days of the transfer window. That's really exciting. Yeah, uh, I hope he you know, obviously he's going to be consulting with the top doctors on earth i'm sure and and making sure that he's good to play. But if I do he wants like to play, I find it weird that and I don't know if it was just like, Inter knowing that he wouldn't have a spot on the team, but he didn't get medically medically clear to come back. And it's weird that like then he was training with Ajax and now he is in the Premier League. Like I wonder what it was that the Inter doctor saw that like no one else yeah. saw. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, hopefully, you know, obviously 
on the one hand, I'm sure he's been put through all sorts of I'm stress sure. tests yeah. and everything else, and he's being taken care of. On the other hand, I'm sure he also won't play a game where that medical attention isn't highly available to yeah. So, like, it's kind of both both and situation. Uh, but Brentford just loves it, fun, though. I think that's yeah. that's the takeaway here. I was going to say, if Brentford, <laughs> if Brentford weren't already the vibes team, the undisputed yeah. vibes kings of uh, Premier League, they certainly are now. So, good for them that's going to be really cool to watch and i every, i think everybody on earth is going to be rooting for mm. brentford and, and, I think so too. Eric. and uh brighton brought in casper kozlowski from poland and dennis unva undav from union sure yeah. <laughs> yeah uh and uh they sold dan Byrne to newcastle who as we i think alluded to earlier have a, has a fun name no we didn't we alluded to somebody else um burnley did almost nothing so they, well they sold chris wood for 33 million to newcastle and they brought in wout vegerst from wolfsburg got to get those vw's mm, you know mm-hmm. not not like volkswagens just you've got to say w's like a v yeah uh, chelsea brought in kennedy after the end of a loan and got rid of Lewis Baker for a fee that is question mark. Um, <laughs> Undisclosed Crystal- <laughs> to be named later. <laughs> Crystal Palace brought in Mateta uh, for, uh, from F- FSV Mainz, and that was their main move. Uh, Everton brought in Michaelinko from Kiev and Nathan Patterson from Rangers and Deli Alley on a free transfer. Didn't Oh, and they sold Lucas Digne to Aston Villa. That was the other move. Brought in uh, Donny Van de Beek as well, which I think will be yeah. pretty good. Like Donny did not get his due in Manchester, so yeah. No, they brought they made a lot of moves, and they also which they um, needed to. They're a bad team, Stephen. Yeah. Well, they need to avoid relegation, and so they went to a man who knows a thing or two about barely scraping out of the relegation zone in Frank Lampard, which yeah. is a story we should probably discuss a bit now that we're talking about Everton. What did um, Frank Lampard do to deserve another Premier League manager job? <laughs> that's what I would... I he was a good player, but that that's thing. like literally it, you know? He did I don't, a really bad job with a Chelsea team that had like all of the resources that you could ever I want. I don't... It's just such a like an NHL move to be like, hey... You weren't good before. You want to try coming and being not good here? Yeah. You know, like, like it's, great players don't inherently become great coaches. And in fact, most of the best coaches were average at best as players, you know? Mm. Nobody remembers Jurgen Klopp's dominant run in the Bundesliga. Like, you know? Lampard's whole fine. coaching CV is he coached at Derby County for a year, and they're okay he didn't get him promoted they're just kind of middling then he coached at chelsea for a year and a half where he got fired mid-season and uh apparently that makes him good enough to be the everton manager <laughs> i just it's just it's like uh nepotism you know yeah. it's just that kind of we loved him as a player and he didn't even play for everton yeah so everton didn't love him as a player <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um whatever i guess sure somebody I guess he has photos on somebody, but they at least brought in a bunch of players for him to quickly ruin. Um, Leeds Leicester didn't bring in anyone. Liverpool brought in Luis Diaz from FC Porto, which has been criticized by some because he didn't look especially good in Colombia's recent window. I mean, but, he's a good. Uh, he's good though. Like yeah, that's the thing. Good. In recent that's, form aside, that's a good player. <laughs> also, 
He was not also, expected like, to be like the star of the team or anything. Right. And also, like, who has Jurgen Klopp missed on? Yeah, he has he gets the benefit of the doubt there, I think. They don't throw a lot of money around. You can argue that Takumi Minamino or like maybe Navi Keita or like the quote unquote black marks against his record. Mm-hmm. That would be and like Minamino spotless, like, hasn't had enough time. Like he was a first of all, Minamino came in like six seconds before the pandemic started. <laughs> yeah, and he was thrust into like an apartment in isolation in a country where he didn't barely speak the language. Sounds fun for like three months. <laughs> so like, no wonder that poor soul didn't have much of a good go of it. And Navi Keita hasn't even been bad. He's just been inconsistent. You know. Mm. He hasn't dominated, but like, I think both of those guys have bright moments as Liverpool players. It's not like a total crash and burn disaster. Uh, The other Liverpool news, as we alluded to at the top, was the Carvalho deal falling through at the last minute. Um, It's always hard to read through the, you know, kind of rumor addled Mm. British press, but I think that move will still happen in the summer. Um, I guess we'll have to see, but yeah, like winter transfers. The winter chances that fall apart, like I think 80% of the time get done in the summer anyway. So, yeah, yeah, he's kind That's of an official stat. So, don't call me on that. But <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a you know, kind of a young ace kind of guy who, yeah. uh, a lot of people think are sort of the next big thing. Probably so. not staying at Fulham, would be my guess. Yeah, right. And he'll make a nice young core of Liverpool alongside Jude Bellingham. And you know, that'll be that. Uh, just just two players. Do they have the know? money just, to sign June Bellingham. June Bellingham's gonna pro- go for like a hundred million dollars. <laughs> they never had the money to do anything. So, you know, <laughs> they're gonna have to sometime somewhere. Um, or they won't. I guess they I guess they don't have to. Who June Bellingham's gonna go to Man City. We all know it. Just everyone yeah, accepted. Shush. <laughs> Man City can't do everything, but they can probably they can though. They um, can they have unlimited money potential. <laughs> speaking of Man City, they saw sold Ferran Torres to Barcelona. Um, just to help pay for Jude <laughs> and they brought in Julian Alvarez from River Plate, which is probably not how the Argentinians pronounce that, but that's how I, I think it is it. actually for some oh, reason. Yeah? yeah, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> um, Newcastle brought in 24 year old Bruno Guimares from Olympic Lyon and Chris Wood from Burnley, who is 30, which got a $33 million transfer fee, which seems like they probably overpaid, but he is, uh, you know, he's a center forward and they cost a lot. Kieran Trippier from Atletico Madrid also in and Dan Byrne also in. So they spent a good total of $112 million according to the bottom here. That's a, a hefty fee for Newcastle. Uh, also, you know, trying to stay out of that bottom region. Trying to How stay out of relegation before they even get to use their money that they've uh, gotten the takeover. Yeah, this yeah. will be interesting because this will be like they have don't have a lot of time to get all these quality players. They're all quality players. I don't want to say that with their transfer like dealings, but they're pretty far into the relegation zone. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's a the relegation fight right now is probably five way between Everton, Norwich, Watford, Newcastle, and Burnley. Burnley, they're going. Yeah, um, if I, I, I mean, if I were to make my predictions, I would probably say that Norwich goes back down and Newcastle moves up. But Norwich surprises people; they're on a pretty good run of form right now. Um, and mm-hmm. if if uh, Pookie and Sargent start putting goals like they have been, that's if your strikers get hot, that can keep you up. 
that can indeed. And uh, they added Sebastian Soto to that group. So that'll probably change everything. Yeah. Um, Josh Martin from MK Dons. Uh, they're the evil. Game changer. Team, right? Game changer. MK Dons. Yeah. MK Dons is the former uh, Wimbledon team that they moved to like uh, shopping mall and gotcha. Dons, MK. Wherever. But now, but now Wimbledon <laughs> also exists again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. As Ryan Bailey would love to tell you. I hate MK Dons. That's what I want to make clear to everyone, even though I have no opinion. <laughs> um, Southampton, pretty quiet. Tottenham, largely quiet. Rodrigo Betancur, Betancur from Juventus, another young player from a Juventus on a loan fee, um, but largely quiet. They also sold Ndombele to Olympic Lyon for not sold, but loaned. Um Loved. Watford made a lot of like small moves. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to stay. Um, <laughs> Watford made a lot of small moves, but nothing kind of above the $5 million range. They made six moves that were 5.5 million or cheaper. Um, so, but they also brought in Pontius. Shopping in the bargain bin, maybe. <laughs> hey, you got to get, you know, you're, they're getting relegated probably. So you got to <laughs> get some players that can maybe come in and play for you and get you back up. Or yes. Yes. Least, but how you know, good are you in the championship? That's what I want to ask well, you. For that's right. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Why are you asking that? Aren't we a premier league team? Well, not yeah, for long. Yeah. Yes. I like to think so. Um, West Ham pretty quiet overall and Wolverhampton pretty quiet uh, except for obviously loaning Adama Traore to Barcelona mm. I'm sure it will not remain alone for very long yeah that's interesting too because Wolves like are making a run for Europe right now and Adama does come off the bench a lot but he was pretty crucial in their like style of play I think so it'll be interesting to see how they adapt yeah yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting for sure. Adama Traore was probably a bigger star than he deserved to be, to be perfectly honest, because he wasn't always delivering. Mm. Yeah, he kind of lacked that with final. His stardom. Yeah. But <laughs> he obviously had the physical, all the physical tools you could possibly have or want. So oh, yeah, he does. Hard to criticize too much. So with that all said, um, that kind of covers the positive news. Do you want to talk about the Mason Greenwood situation a little bit? I mean, yeah. Don't so this was a, yeah, I guess we should uh, change the topic a little bit. We talked about <laughs> Manchester United's transfer dealings, losing Donny Van de Beek, but not only that, they're also going to lose Mason Greenwood because uh, Mason Greenwood is apparently a trash human being. This is like a really weird thing to wake up to, like on a random Tuesday morning, uh, Mason Greenwood's current girlfriend put out, basically a voice memo that was mm -hmm. Mason Greenwood trigger warning, but sexually assaulting her. Uh, Mason Greenwood then was brought into custody by the greater Manchester police. He was then charged with sexual assault and threatening his girlfriend's life as well. He was charged with. So uh, he's out on bail, but Manchester United have pretty much cut all ties with him already. Uh, his Nike deals are gone. He's removed from FIFA. He's removed from like all of their marketing material. I'd uh, pretty terrible, pretty terrible. But it's good to see that Manchester United and like the greater football world came to the aid of his former girlfriend and uh, actually came to action. Like that's just it's something that should get him banned from football forever. It won't because he's good at football. So like eventually someone will sign him. I'm sure, and it'll be 
the worst thing ever. But it's just one of those things from a young player who you would hope would have better judgment that apparently it just doesn't, just doesn't have good judgment and is capable of terrible things and being a bad human being on all levels. Steven, what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 shocking. It is. Not, not because it's a surprise that, you know, men can be assholes or athletes can be assholes or mm. anything like that. It's shocking obviously. to, like, have all this come from a young player who, yeah. like, had all the upside in the world. Yeah, it obviously rises above just asshole. I mean, it's, you yeah. know, criminal. But, mm. you know, f- for lack of a better word for it. Um, and, like, the evidence is all right there, too, which is the other thing. Like, usually you don't get that with athletes, but it's yeah. like there's no denying that this happened. <laughs> right. And this is one of those things, too, where I want to be really careful because that's, like, what I want to say is it sucks because his potential was so bright, but like it sucks because he did a terrible thing. Like yeah. that's, that's yeah. the problem here. However, um, it is even more noteworthy because he was such a young superstar who was supposed to be the future of, of, you know, man, you to, to some extent, and certainly the English national mm. team. And like you said, did have all the FIFA or the FIFA deals and the, nike deals and everything else um so yeah i mean it's pretty pretty shocking and i i think the only thing i would say um you know it's it the positive side of this is just that the whole Mm. whole community immediately was like nope we are out which is not something i think you'd see in you know, the NFL, we historically haven't seen that. You know, with Ronaldo, who is on his team that everyone still wants to give him the benefit of the doubt for. It's like, yeah, that's what like the cynic in me is. If they didn't have the evidence slapping him in the face, would he have been played the next game? Like (laughs) probably at least some worry there. Yeah. But like, I mean, at least they did it. And Mm. I don't know, you know, I don't know what takes you to that point as a human being. And, you know, it's, yeah, I guess Thank it's God just that I don't because, you know, I don't ever want to like, be in that position. But. Yeah, I think it's just like that feeling of entitlement. Like, yeah, you can't be told no, mm-hmm. you know, and even against another person's will, you're going to do whatever you want. Yeah. And I guess as, you know, a bigger star as he has been, it probably probably hasn't gotten told no a lot in his life. So mm. um, it just sucks. And I hate it. I hate that it happened. I hate that you know i hate it from a human perspective and you know such a big name it's going to get more attention and i guess the only hope is that it gets more you know donations to women's shelters and and more awareness on these issues and and legal defense funds and everything else that that we would like to see mm-hmm. you know because this sort yeah. of thing is not you know the, yeah, if you're going to have but... something encouraging out of the situation is that uh, Harriet Robson, who is Mason Greenwood's former girlfriend, who put out all the evidence, has had good reception, right? She hasn't been necessarily subject of like hateful attacks that you sometimes see after things like this. So that's nice to see. And of course, it's nice to see that people are believing her evidence and it's tough, man. It's like how much, how long do we have to talk about this happening in sports before it like stops occurring? Like it's, I don't know. It seems like all these cases of sexual assault like don't 
have any impact when it just keeps happening year after year after year. And fresh yeah. Out. Yeah. That's tragic reality of our world. And we I like guess to get yeah. rid of it, but <laughs> oh, well, well, I'm unfortunate to kind of close on that depressing note, but it's a story that you can't ignore. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a story that we need to keep telling or more people are going to behave like this. And, you know, hopefully if, if any good can come from this, it's that, Mason Greenwood's swift and sudden ejection mm. from the game maybe prevents somebody else from doing this in the future. That Hopefully. That the world revolves around him and then nothing can stop him either. So that's what it is. Uh, any other final thoughts on anything uh, soccer related? No, I mean, the good thing is my Manchester United jersey is a knockoff. So my Greenwood lettering was already falling off. So it's pretty easy just to take the rest of it off. So oh, that's, nice. that's something to take away from this. <laughs> good, good, positive. Yeah, positive. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Uh, Burnley and, and Watford were canceled. This is this is weeks old. So why are they trending now? Nobody, shut up. That's what I would say. Shut up, Twitter. Why are you lying to me? All right. So I've okay. lied about games uh, and we're ready to get get off of here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will be back again soon. MOS season starts soon. The yeah, champion- training camps are getting underway. They've had uh, fake games going on this week. So uh, shout out to everyone watching those preseason fake games. You know, you're, you're, real, you're the real ones. You're the real ones, exactly. <laughs> uh, so until we talk again, thanks, everyone. Enjoy the soccer that you can watch, and we'll talk soon. Adios.